Coming live from Victoria, British Columbia, Canada is our guest this evening. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Jocelyn Moriners, CEO of Luxentus Inc., and she is into online courses and training, and she's also a post business council employee empowerment chair, speaker, workshop facilitator, and uh, several other things. Welcome to the show, Jess Rosalyn. Thank you so much. I'm so happy that we'll be having this important conversation today that impacts so many employers and employees around the world. Yes, yes. And that is why that what matters is this big topic of the great resignation, quite fitting, and how targeted recruiting can help. So we'll be talking about that. Your insights will certainly be of great uh, help to a lot of people, organizations, recruiting agencies, CEOs, and a lot of other people. So Jocelyn, you are yourself a CEO. Yes, and I am. You are, yes, you are. And you are known as, you know, an architect of success, possessing an impressive understanding of business. And you came from the public service to entrepreneur to CEO of a software company. Normally, people tend to see public service as something, you know, people get a bit laid back. But you are not only wanting to do things, great things, but also the right thing. What is your philosophy as a CEO? And that is what you are bringing to the world. Yeah, absolutely. I think that my philosophy really turns around people-centric leadership. And I think this is also what's at the core of what we're experiencing right now, that not enough leaders are leaning into that type of philosophy. Uh, there's a, a great, uh, I'm going to say, divergence in philosophies where some individuals think that if we try to uh, cater too much to our team members that we won't be able to be profitable or that uh, it's just going to make the employees lazy or something like that. But it's actually quite the opposite. It is possible to be there for the team members, to elevate the team members, to give them the tools to be their best selves at work. And in return, it's going to elevate the company and it's actually going to improve profits because it's going to reduce turnover and it's going to increase productivity just from the fact that as leaders, we care. And so I, that's very much how I try to lead as a CEO. Of course, I'm human too, so I'm not perfect. I make mistakes, but I try to learn from them. And I just really lean into that philosophy of removing obstacles for the team and being there for them and elevating them. Right, Jocelyn. This is so much needed, especially in today's time. You see, because all this thing about great resignation and, you know, quite quitting... This has become the talk of almost every organization in society and almost everywhere. And now people are looking at organizations much more strongly, much more deeply as to if things have always been that great. Because at the end of the day, everybody goes to work not to uh, not to make work their life, but work only as part of their life. And they always want work-life balance. And this is where we have come to that 
all these things are creating uh, not just discussion, but also a negative image about the industry, about companies, and also about the way people have been recruiting till now. Because some people may want to work a lot of times, a lot, almost 24 hours, but some people are not like that. They want, they will work as per what is good for them, what is good for their families, what is good for their life, what is good for their future. And future is not always about money. So you give that solution of targeted recruiting. That can be a solution to this problem that the workplaces are facing. What is targeted recruiting in your understanding? Yeah, and it's interesting because you, you just mentioned that. And just before answering that, I really want to touch on that point that you brought up, that uh, not everybody is the same. Not everyone has the same life circumstances, and therefore not everyone has the same interest or even ability to spend the same amount of effort and energy at work. And I'm going to talk like hours even. Some people have children that they have to take care of. Some people have, may have elderly um, parents at home or something that they, they have to look after. And they have uh, circumstances that make it difficult. It doesn't mean that they're lesser employees. It just means that their life circumstances makes it that it's different. And we also have team members who they could do the job for free. They love it so much. You know, they in their free time, weekends, evenings, they just love it, love it, love it. And they have the ability to do it. That's great. But we have to understand that just because somebody is able to, to spend, as you said, you know, work all the time, uh, it doesn't mean that they're necessarily a better employee than the other person. And so it comes back to answer now the question about targeted recruiting. It comes back to knowing what your organization needs and trying to find the right mix and not have apply labels before meeting the people and saying, you know, oh, if a person only has this type of ability, therefore they're not the type of person I want. It depends. Some jobs, yes, it, you can't because the work requires that type of availability. But uh, it's just really knowing what your organization needs. So the targeted recruiting part and uh, creating a recruiting process that will attract the candidates that are most likely to be successful in your organization. And so that means uh, ensuring that you're very, very clear on what the culture of the organization is. And I'm not talking like the culture that you wrote on paper. What is it really in the daily? Like when people show up at work, what is it like? And it's, so it's attracting those candidates that will be most successful in that environment. Right, right. So Jocelyn, uh, if you tell us, because... Every organization nowadays say oh, they are trying to be people-centric. What is this people-centric organization which has almost become a utopia sort of a thing? Everybody wants to get there, but nobody has reached there. So what is this people-centric organization? And there are hundreds and thousands of best practices in HR, in recruitment, in so many things, in leadership, thought leadership, all sort of leadership, but this thing has not come as yet. So you can, perhaps you can tell us because you are a very good leader. 
<laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, I think that uh, people leadership is very much a, a there are a lot of terms that overlap. So there's like people centric leadership, uh, conscious business, um, servant leadership, Robert Greenleaf's work. I don't know if you're familiar with servant leadership, but it, it, it all comes from that or even like B core. It all comes from a place of wanting to be true leaders as opposed to what I call a boss, quote unquote. So the distinctions would be uh, maybe the, the, the boss would be someone who is more interested in themselves and uh, their own bonuses and are willing to put themselves and their own goals before the needs of the organization or the needs of their clients or the needs of their team members. And therefore they're more in that mindset of, yeah, just, you know, rotate through the team members. Doesn't matter. Let's just plunk a body in there until I burn them out and then let's replace them. And so I think there's this um, desire for a lot of us to be leaders, to have that positive impact on individuals and I really believe that having that positive positive impact on individuals is almost like a responsibility to train the next generation to become leaders themselves. And in doing that, I, I, I believe it sounds a little, I guess, utopic. You said you talked about utopia, but I really help. I really believe it helps to make the world a better place. Yes, I know it sounds very cliche to say that, but if it you treat... It is, it is not because people can see through people if they are telling it with the right intention or is it just to, you know, just to add, uh, use words in their vocabulary. That's, that's, I can, I can, I can tell you for that, that for sure. That's ex exactly, exactly. And, and then that's a big part of it being authentic. And I think that some people who are concerned with their, well, I don't know, people centric, what does that mean? You let your employees walk all over you? No, that's not what it is. It's being someone who is there being authentic, caring genuinely for the individual, the human being in front of you, and that they're not just a role in the organization, that they're a person going through things. And if uh, that person is, is starting to, let's say, be less productive, the quote-unquote boss may be like, you're not being productive enough. Your numbers aren't right. Go and make that better. Well, the leader is going to sit with that person and go, hey, I noticed that that there's an issue here. Are you okay? And in uncovering and uh, digging deeper and having those human conversations, you may actually come to uncover that this person, and this has happened to me several times, uncovering, hey, this person's going through some very, very difficult things in in their personal life. And it's like, we can't just say, oh, you're at work? click the switch off and now you're an employee and your life is perfect. Like, no, if the person's having a really difficult personal life, if they're worried about a, a team member who's very, uh, not a team member, but a, a family member who's very sick, then they can't quite switch that off. They're going to need extra support, extra grace. And so it's, it's having those conversations. And just to come back to, to the idea that some people are like, Oh no, um, your, your team members are just going to walk all over you. It's the opposite. It's, it's, we have this agreement. It's like, I'm going to treat you really well. I'm going to support you. I'm going to give you the tools so that you can be the best person that you can be at work. 
and and provide you with fair wages, of course, <laughs> and good benefits and all that stuff. And in exchange, you're going to show up and deliver exceptional value for the clients. And they're going to be so happy because you're just going to be put at giving your best. So it's, it's this agreement kind of employee or employee. It's like, hey, I'm going to create the best conditions for you and you're going to give the best work to the clients. Right. Right, Josely. Tell me one thing. You are a CEO. A lot of CEOs are employees. CXOs, you can call CHROs, human resource managers, chiefs, whatever it is. Why do they create this wall between that they are the boss and employee is something like they are immortal and employee is mortal. Why don't they get it that they are also an employee and it's also going to come back to them if they are not setting a right precedent in their organization? Why is this why is this blindness existing? Exactly. And you just hit it. That's exactly what's happening. It's this it, these circumstances that you just described is what is contributing the most to this uh, great resignation and quiet quitting. It's the fact that uh, some some executives feel that they have to somehow elevate themselves because I'm the boss. I have this, these fancy letters after my name and therefore I must behave like a boss. And I've seen it before with other people who once they became executives or whatever, um, they're, it's almost like their personality changed. It's almost like they all of a sudden decided, okay, I'm a boss now and this is how a boss behaves. This is how an executive behaves. So this is what I'm going to do. And the team members see it. They, they, it's like, what is that? No. And they don't appreciate it and they don't feel like they can talk. And so what happens is if, if you create that barrier, you are going to be a lot less aware of what's happening because team members won't come to you with problems. And even like your directors or whatever uh, other positions you may have in, in meetings that you hold perhaps weekly to find out what happens in the organization, they're not going to bring problems to you because they're going to be concerned of that judgment. And so they're going to sweep problems under the rug and then you're not going to know about it until it's too late. And so by cre removing that and just showing up as a human being, and I want to take a moment here to, say that it's not about being like sharing all the deep, dark secrets in our own lives. You know, I'm not talking about that, but showing up as a true person. And like some days I tell my team members, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm having a tough day today. It's not a really great day. So if I sound a little bit short or, or, or curt with you, just please understand that this is what's happening with me. And they respect that. Like they know if I say that, it's like, oh, okay, you know, we're going to extend her a little bit of grace, but I do the same with them. You know, and so what that means is if they see something like they're the first people there, they're there with the clients, they're there, you know, with other team members, they're involved in the operations, the, the most important part of the operations. If they see something, they're going to elevate it because they feel comfortable. They feel supported. They feel like, OK, you're going to listen to me. Right. Right. Now, you see, CEOs uh, globally. Why is it that they all, not all, several of them, as soon as they get into that corner office, they push the office in a corner and they just want to be there. Why is it? Is it a problem? Is it some 
something like that gets into your mind? Because one thing I wanted to understand from you with this question is that uh, there are so many tools that we employ, human resource departments, whether in terms of psychometrics, psychology, or in terms of examinations, whatever it is, their past record, they employ everything before hiring somebody. Most references and all that stuff. When they hire a CEO, there are firms who are say who say they are you know, experts in hiring CEOs. You know, CXOs. Yeah. What happens then? Then your CEO, CEOs, they just go out and make a you know whatever spectacle of their company themselves and also the organization, the employees. It's a bad situation in several several places. Why is it so? Globally, they are talking about best practices, but where are those best practices when they are actually recruiting high-profile guys in the organization who are to steer the ship? Yeah, that's 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 a really <laughs> complex one. Uh, I, I think that there's part of it, depending on the organization, there may be a lot of pressure from maybe uh, shareholders uh, who just, you know, I want to see the profit. And depending on what the organization does on the mission of the organization, the focus may become more on having someone who delivers like bottom line results uh, more than someone who can deliver like people results. But what I'm going to say is that I truly, truly believe that a leader who can deliver people results will impact the profit results in the end because there will be reduced turnover. Turnover is expensive. When you have team members that if you're recruiting all the time, having to onboard the team member, train them, uh, then, oh, no, they leave. Okay, now got to have to scramble, find somebody else, oh, turn around, hire again. It's expensive as opposed to if you've ha- you find a good team member. Oh, not to mention that sometimes they decide they don't like it. Sometimes because recruiting is not a crystal ball, sometimes we get it wrong even when we try to do all the right things. Sometimes a member shows up and goes, oh, that didn't show up anywhere and they don't work out. And so if uh, you have more th- th- those things in place where you you decide, okay, I'm going to do the right process and all these things, and you find that good team member and they work out, you want to keep that person because then they will become, if you support them, they will become productive in time as they start uh, knowing the organization more, the mission more, they're even tasks more. There is efficiency that is going to be built in that. And it will impact the bottom line in a good way. And so to come back to that whole idea of what happens with that CEO who all of of a sudden makes a spectacle of themselves, there's that second part of being a people-centric leader that we haven't talked about yet, which is we need to know ourselves because we need to do a lot of self-development to ensure that we are the best individuals and human beings that we can be so that we can in turn be there for other team members. We need to figure out what we're bringing in. Some individuals, they live to see those letters after their name. And it's all about me, 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 and look at what I have and look at what I own. And, you know, I'm so great. And so that, that is not a leader. That's, that's a boss. That's, that's the, the, the CEO that is going to create problems because they're all in it for their status. Uh, 
But if you if you truly believe that, hey, you know, we're all in this together and let's let's all look after each other and let's all elevate each other, then the CEO will be better off and, and do a better job because that CEO is going to have an entire team, an entire organization working in collaboration with them as opposed to being that boss that comes in and I have all the answers. And I've also seen um, CEOs who actually are uh, don't have a lot of uh, self-esteem. They're very, they don't have a lot of confidence. So they overcompensate by being that boss and I'm that boss. And if somebody comes in and has a better idea, they feel threatened. Like, no, I'm the one who, who, who has the better, best ideas all the time. I'm the opposite. I love it when team members come in and they have great ideas because then it doesn't always fall on me to come up with all the ideas all the time. Like, yes, I'm going to evaluate everything and I have the entire picture, but I rely on all the smart people that we hire. I mean, why do we hire these amazing individuals if we're not going to tap into their, their amazing selves? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how can a CEO be also a good leader? What are the skills that they they should have? And what are the skills that if they don't have, they should acquire? So in, in a nutshell, what are the skills that are needed to be a good leader and see you later? Uh, the first thing I would say is a lot of self-awareness, which comes back to what I was talking a little bit about earlier. We need to know what our own triggers are because we're all human. And so if we're going to have a conversation with someone, we may hear something that the person didn't actually say, but based on our past experience, it's like, oh, this person said this. And but the other person's going, I have no idea why you're reacting this way, because I was just being really nice. So we have to be really aware of our own triggers So do a lot of self-work with that. We have to um, self-regulate because uh, at a much higher level then uh, I'm going to say even team members, because we're there to set the example. So we have to, if we start feeling upset or something, we have to recognize where that's coming from. And we have to be able to bring that down because we're not there to bring the drama. We're there to lower the drama. So that's another one. Uh, another very important skill that I've seen uh, a, a lot of individuals not have is getting comfortable with healthy conflict. So I really believe that there is such a thing as healthy conflict. And healthy conflict is when you're capable of having very difficult, borderline heated, convert I'm going to call them passionate, passionate conversations, but they remain rooted in respect and they remain rooted in the same mission. And so when a leader is capable of doing that, then you can really move an organization forward and help find solutions that are uh, uh, that will help everyone. So I think those are some of the, the most essential skills to have. Right. Why is it that a lot of organizations and CEOs, they post great pictures that this is what our CEO is doing on a bike, on a hike or doing whatever. But when it comes to employees, uh, then it becomes a different matter. You don't give them leaves. And now the problem is that some organizations, they are ready to give leaves. But the problem is that people can sense the trouble. So they are not taking leaves because they, they think that if you take more leaves, then you become the one who is targeted. 
that there are psychophants within the organization that will pinpoint to you and you will become a, what you call a target of something called quiet firing that is so prevalent nowadays. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Carry on, carry on, and then I'll speak. Yeah, absolutely. And that comes back to that idea that 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 CEO that's in it for themselves. Uh, it, again, the look at me and you mentioned the bike. Yeah, I'm doing all these wonderful things. Okay, that's great. But your organization is made up of several team members and a lot of people. And I, you just mentioned taking time off. Uh, there are organizations that are like, oh yeah, we offer unlimited vacation. Yes. And yes. once you get into the actual workplace, they make them so busy. I, I have several uh, friends who are in sim- similar situations like, oh, yeah, I have unlimited time off, but I can never take it because we have all these goals, all these deadlines, and we never have time. They, they, they work overtime like constantly. And they're like, oh, well, OK, well, you know, you have unlimited vacation, but I can't take it as, as soon as I want to take time off. Yes. Other people are just there to take up the work. And as you mentioned, be the first one to be like. Oh, something went wrong. Yeah, it's that person. And then throw them under the bus. And that comes back to a cultural problem. And that's something that, uh, again, at recruiting time, if you're attracting and retaining those kinds of individuals, there's a problem. Either it's a cultural problem in that uh, the organization has created a culture of uh, a mindset of scarcity that, oh, if something goes wrong, Okay, who is it? Your fault. Ooh, you're fired. Or you have major consequences. Uh, so that becomes a cultural problem. And so the yes. leader ha- is the one that has to address that. And if it's that, no, you actually living values that are more in line with looking after the team members and everybody taking care of each other and elevating each other, then it, it you're, it's your recruiting. That's the problem. And so you kind of have to right. identify where the problem lies. Right. The reason I asked this particular question was, Jocelyn, is that, you know, the great resignation is an outcome of this sort of a thing. People want to be with themselves. They are not robots. They want to spend time with their families, with their pets or whoever it is, but they just want to be with themselves and Mm -hmm. the close people that are important to them in their lives. You yourself have left almost a... Uh, lived a nomadic life for five yep. years. You can resonate with this thought. And what is wrong with people wanting to want a life for their for their for themselves? That's what God had. It's their life. Who the hell is somebody from any organization to come in between? If they want to have a particular sort of life. But you are not going to give it. You are only promising. And that's the problem I also yep. have looking at this particular thing. So how does this all this thing go wrong? Because when you hire, you tell you are the greatest guy we want to have in our team and you will get everything. You are our family. You get them to your houses. You have dinners with them, lunches with them, offsites with them. And suddenly one fine morning, you block their entry into the office. They get the resignation. You got they got to give the resignation. Why is it? Why do you want to make them so close? and suddenly make them so distant. So the question is, why is the problem with recruiting? You've got so many tools, so many things at your disposable uh, disposal, but the employee is still disposable. What is the answer to it? What is the right sort of recruiting that you would suggest in today's time? 
Yeah, I think that a lot of it comes down to authenticity. And I think that some organizations recruit with the idea of, I need someone, I need someone, I need someone, so anyone will do. And then once the person is in, so they promise them the world, as you just mentioned, to get that person in. And once they're in, they're like, okay, well, you're here now, so what? Like, what are you going to do? So go ahead, work. And so it's, we need to be authentic in our recruiting and also uh, make sure that we evaluate for culture within the, uh, the recruiting process as well. A lot of organizations don't recruit for culture and also have a really good hard look at what type of organization you are. And I guess if the organization really is a place that has that mindset of, you know, bring them in, and then expect that all they do is work and not be human beings and then toss them out, then like maybe we need to do a little bit of introspection there. Like, do you really want to be that type of organization? Do you really want to be that kind of leader? Like ask yourself why and start working on that and changing that culture. And then when hiring as part of the recruiting process, always make sure it's targeted, but ensure that you evaluate culture as part of the uh, recruiting process and just really encourage. And I would say, even as leaders, I guess sometimes a lot of leaders, we're very busy. <laughs> and sometimes it, it, we kind of lose sight that, okay, we're not role modeling the good things. And maybe that's where the, the team members are picking it up from. If they see a CEO who's always working, but saying, no, no, it's okay. You can take time off. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take care of myself, but, but you do. Uh, I don't know that the employee is going to take the time off because the employee will see the CEO who's always working, uh, never looking after themselves. So it's role modeling that to show the team members that, yeah, it's okay. Like we all need to look after ourselves. I'm going to take time to work out now. Oh, team members are going to see that go. Oh, that's important. I'm, I'm going to look after myself as well and setting those boundaries. And a lot of it is communication, communication, communication. For some reason, that's broke. It broke down between uh, executives and team members. And it's reestablishing those communication lines in a healthy way and really listening. And I'm not saying leading by consensus. I mean, that doesn't work. But at the same time, listening, and if the team members have some good points, acknowledge that, have the, the, the self-esteem to, to be like, yeah, you know what? That was an awesome idea. Let's address that. Right, Jocelyn. Now, you are Forbes Business Council Employee Empowerment Chair. What, with, you know, with all that perspective, you know, what would you tell an employee to be still empowered in these times when you would still need a job? Uh, very much. How would you, he or she still can exercise some sort of, you know, control or influence so that she's not landing herself or himself into trouble and actually landing uh, in a nice place? Yeah, that's very interesting. I would say if someone, if, if someone, let's say, works for an organization and they have to stay in that type of environment, let's say an environment that is perhaps a little uh, I'm going to call it toxic because that's what it becomes really. If an employee is in that type of environment, I would say uh, first try to be a, an unofficial leader within your own group. Like 
try to control what you can control to start with. So your own behavior, are you self-regulating yourself or, or are you frequently getting upset with other team members? Um, are you quick to blame other people uh, if something goes wrong? So try to elevate your own behavior first as an employee. Then uh, I would say try to talk to uh, your supervisor uh, in the sense that if it's a truly toxic environment, it's going to be very delicate. So I would say try to embrace the principles of healthy conflict by um, having a conversation that is very um, diplomatic, uh, very factual. So bring a lot of facts, a lot of numbers to make it uh, depersonalized so that the supervisor doesn't feel attacked. Then I would say try to uh, be that 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 role model and and then kind of take it from there and see how the supervisor reacts, how the other team members react. And maybe you can even create a microcosm of just maybe their department that is highly functional by starting to apply those behaviors. And that could help at least that individual um, be a little more productive and feel safer at work even though the rest of the organization may not be as functional. Right, Jocelyn, right. It's nice to have a discussion with somebody who can be open about things. Organizations tend to have their doors open, but sometimes, you know, within the rush for profits and I don't know what, the yeah. mind gets clogged, perhaps. So it's yeah. always better to have new voices, new ways of thinking that can actually, you know, make our workplaces a better place, a happy place. Yeah. And Absolutely. those organizations who want to reach there, how can they connect with you, Jocelyn? You do a lot of work, so workshops and training mm -hmm. and yeah. all that stuff. So uh, what sort of organizations can connect with you? What sort of people can connect you? Even recruiting firms, they have a big yeah. responsibility on their hands. So how can Absolutely. they connect with you and where they can connect? Absolutely. Thank you. So I also have on my Luxenta site, so L-O-X-E-N-T-U-S.com, uh, I have some self-paced course. I have a recruiting course. I have a one-on-one -on -one course and some other self-paced courses. Also, uh, if they want to reach me for team training or leadership training, they just can uh, either find me on LinkedIn, Jocelyn Miners, or I'm also on YouTube. I have uh, this uh, channel where uh, every other week I provide some tips uh, implement, implementation tips because I'm big on implementation. Let's not just talk, let's actually do. Uh, and so they can find some tips there every other week. It's at Jocelyn Moriners again. And uh, of course on LinkedIn and there's a contact form on my website. If anybody wants to reach out to me. And of course I have my own site, jocelynmoriners.com. Wonderful. Wonderful. It's nice to talk to you about uh, all this stuff, Jocelyn. And I'm sure, you know, people like you, are the hope for the future for workplaces to make workplace a better and happy place. And also to show to the world that living a nomadic life sometimes is also good for everybody. It is. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This was really great. I, I really, I really, I really believe in that. I really look forward to a life of some sort, something like that, whenever yeah. I am able to. But it's nice talking to you. Jocelyn. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. On this note, Jocelyn, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much for your time on this show. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. It was great.